Atlanta News First investigates the largest investigative team in Georgia, holding the powerful accountable and fighting for you. Now, in this series of podcasts, we take you behind the scenes of our most recent investigations. Welcome to Behind the Investigation with Atlanta News First. Welcome to Behind the Investigation with Atlanta News First Investigates. I'm Chief Investigator Brendan Keefe, and I'm joined now by investigative reporter Andy Parati, who has a groundbreaking story uh, with a very serious impact and also looks at possible solutions. Andy, tell us about this story that uh, you've worked so hard on. So about eight years ago, city officials in Rome, Georgia, identified a toxin in their drinking water. It's called plafluoralkyl or PFOS for short. It's linked to a bunch of health effects, including cancer, thyroid disease, high cholesterol. So when the city identified that toxin in their drinking water, which was first identified in the river that supplies the city's drinking water, they took action. They did all the right things that you would expect. They changed its water source. They sued the suspected contaminator and started looking into new filtration systems to get that toxin out of their drinking water. But what they did not do, no agency has done, is decide to try to measure the impact on the people who drank the water for decades. So that's what we decided to do. Alvin Jackson is on his way to see one of the crown jewels of North Georgia, the Ustanala River that flows through the city of Rome, providing drinking water to thousands of homes. We swimmed in it, we fished in it. The river's always been one of our richest resources. A blessing, but over the past few years, a curse as well. In 2016, state environmental officials identified elevated levels of a toxic chemical in the river called perfluoralkyl, or PFAS for short. It's man-made and known as the forever chemical because it does not break down naturally. A recently settled lawsuit put the blame on carpet manufacturers and chemical companies upriver. Exposure to PFAS has been linked to severe illness, including high cholesterol, thyroid disease, and cancer. What does this lead to? What is it going to do to me? While the city changed its water source eight years ago, state health officials have never tried to measure the impact of the contaminated water. The Georgia Department of Public Health telling Atlanta News First in July it does not have plans at this time to conduct testing, saying most people in the United States have measurable amounts of PFOS in their blood. So, we decided to try to measure the exposure ourselves, purchasing these testing kits from a company called Eurofence. It's developed the first direct-to-consumer at-home PFAS blood test. In this past September, Today's the 22nd. we asked 11 Rome area residents to participate, people who have lived in the area for at least 20 years. One, two, three, go. Do it at the side of the finger. Yeah, that's great. Oh, I hate this part. Really hard. It really didn't hurt at all. Alvin joined too. He's on the Floyd County School Board. And Barbara Pinson, the county's superior court clerk. I mean, a little finger prick is nothing. Hopefully our results are going to prove that it's not anything that's uh, real serious, but we need to know. 
A few weeks later, the results arrived, revealing every participant with some level of PFAS in their blood. That was expected. The chemical is used in hundreds of household products to make things water and stain resistant, including nonstick cookware and food packaging. But the amount of PFAS detected in the participants' blood raises concern. Nearly all of them had higher levels than the national median. And, and you would expect it to be elevated, I think? We asked three scientists to review the results, all with extensive backgrounds in PFAS research, including Dr. Dana Barr, a professor at Emory University's School of Public Health. These are the reports. She traveled to Rome to provide her perspective to the participants in person. I do think that there is some exposure that's occurring in this region or with these people, um, obviously. Definitely exposure in this community in I, some way. I think you could use this information to go to the city or to the state and say, we, you know, we want an exposure study done in this area. And I think that, that it warrants it given this information. The other scientists agree. While the sample size is small, Dr. Jane Hoppen with North Carolina State University says more testing should be conducted. Everybody should be tested, particularly in communities where we know that the water has been contaminated. You've opened your eyes, you've opened this community's eyes. Dr. David Andrews is with the Environmental Working Group, a nonprofit advocacy organization. If you worked for Georgia's Department of Health and you saw these results, how would you be responding? I think they should be concerned and I think they should be responding in terms of Thinking about what, what are the action plans for this community and what needs to be done. Alvin's PFAS levels, the highest of all the participants, nearly seven times the national median. So I'm wondering, you know, how is this going to affect me directly? Am I going to develop some type of cancer or some type of disease, you know? The participant with the lowest PFAS levels, Callie Swafford, and it was no surprise to her. For nearly 10 years, her drinking water has come exclusively from a natural spring outside this city. Oh, the proof is in the pudding. So it's validating for you. That yeah, yeah, absolutely. By a raise of hands, how many people want the state to do more testing? Despite the results, the state's health department's decision remains the same. It does not have plans to conduct blood testing. Adding without direct oversight and knowledge of how the tests were administered, it would be irresponsible for DPH to comment on the results. Mike Elliott's PFAS results were more than twice the national median. Doesn't this make you mad? Well, yeah, it does. I mean, all chemical exposures make me mad. Because, um, you know, you want to be able to live in a, a world where you're not being exposed to something against your will. It seems like we should be able to yell and scream at somebody. Uh, I mean, something needs to be done. I agree. Um, it takes money to do things, though. That's the problem, and somebody has to fund it. A community poisoned without permission and no plans from the state or any agency to help give more residents answers. Andy, what always impresses me about your investigative reporting is you simply don't take no for an answer, whether it's a public records fight uh, or whether it's holding the powerful accountable. But in this case, you had a state agency that is refusing to do testing of a population that we know was exposed to PFAS. And you sort of said, no, we're, we're going to do it ourselves with the experts 
Tell me about that process and what were you thinking? When did you make that decision? You know, I have been wondering this for years, actually. This isn't the first time that someone has done a story on the contaminated water in the Rome, Georgia area. But I've always wondered, what was the impact to the people that were uh, living and drinking this water? Sure, it is fantastic that they are now building a new water treatment plant and they are holding the suspected contaminators accountable. But what about the people who drank this? And at the time, I started reaching out to scientists and asking them what tests were available. And that's when I found out that a North Carolina State University researcher had done essentially the same thing that we did a couple of years ago because the Cape Fear River, which supplies the drinking water to the Wilmington, North Carolina area, they had the same problem. And they, what they did is the exact same thing, except for a much larger scale. They actually did a, an exposure study and uh, testing about 300 individuals, and they found the majority of the people in that area with higher levels, elevated levels of PFAS in their blood. So, you know, what do you do with that information, right? Yes. Okay. Now you have this problem. Now you have this in in your blood. What can you do with this information? Well, there are clinical recommendations that uh, suggest what you should do if your levels are at a certain point, and it include increased screenings for a, a number of health ailments, including cancer. So the goal is to Check yourself, get these screenings often and early if you're at one of these levels. So that way, if you do contract one of these diseases, cancer, that you catch it early. So that's the benefit of having your blood tested if you know that you're in an area with an an increased elevated level of exposure. And this is why this story has such impact and, and also offers solutions to a community when the government essentially isn't doing anything. You know, another thing that interests me about this is that, look, we journalists get a lot of criticism, some of it earned, but most of it not. One of the things that is earned, and, and I've been guilty of this, is this sort of, you know, accentuating the things that scare people. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly in my past, I did that as a reporter back in the 90s, where, you know, it was like fear sells, and that's what gets people to watch your story. Uh, this is the is the kind of story that typically a news organization would say, you know, would even promote, you know, dangerous yeah. drinking water, watch at 11 or whatever. Um, that's not the way you approach this story. You deliberately looked for solutions and did not use any of those sort of fear tactics or or words that would tend to set people off to get just to get them to watch. Tell me about that process and what you were thinking yeah. doing that. Yeah, I was really concerned or I was very cognizant that I did not want this to come across gimmicky, that we were buying tests online and then you know, hear the results and scaring people. I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to arm people with information, no matter how the results uh, came about. And when I got the results, I wanted to also make sure that we are interpreting them correctly. Again, not trying to scare the populace, especially the people in Rome, Georgia. So that's why I reached out to three different scientists, all with extensive PFOS research. And I said, hey, I'm not a scientist. I'm not an expert. Here are the results. I gave them all of the participants' results. And I said, simply, what are your thoughts? That's all I wanted. Just give me your thoughts. And then I'd say, hey, is is this, I know it's a small sample size, but is it even worth doing? Was this worth doing? All of them agreed that it was worth doing. All of them agreed, said that the even though the sample size was small, that it represented an elevated level. Therefore, they believe, based on these results, that some agency whether it be the Georgia Department of Public Health or some other entity, 
should be doing an, a larger exposure study to find out how many more people have elevated levels of Vic toxin in their blood. You, you and I have been working together almost a decade now. And one of the things that impresses me about your process is that you interrogate your own facts. In other words, you hold yourself accountable. I hear you doing it where you'll pitch a story, but then I hear you on the phone because we work close to each other and you'll be on the phone with an expert and you'll be saying, did we get this right? What did we get wrong? And what really impresses me about your process in this story is you didn't just go for one expert. I'll be honest, I would have stopped at one expert. I would have said, okay, we have an expert here. That's all we need. Um, and But it, you know, we've covered trials before, particularly civil civil trials where Anybody can find an expert to parrot what they want to say. In this case, you went and found three experts and you asked them, hey, did we get this right? Is this important? And had they said, hey, no, actually, you didn't get this right. It isn't important. We may not even have run the story. And I think that's the difference between journalism and the kind of scare tactics we were talking about before. Yeah. And, and in fact, I would have advocated to still doing the story, even if the results came back and, and said, this is a nothing burger. I said, I would have suggested, hey, we, we, we decided to do this. A lot of people wanted to know the answer to this, and here's the answer. So I still would have advocated doing this story no matter what the results were. But now I want to make sure that we make it a point that while it, the majority of the people in the Rome, Georgia area has not had an opportunity to have their blood tested, you can still get your blood tested mm -hmm. yourself. Unfortunately, it is very expensive, and most insurance companies do not cover the cost for this or particular test. Most labs actually don't uh, even conduct PFOS blood testing, but about $400. Yes, about right? $400. A company called Eurofins, the same company that we profiled in the story that developed the first take-home PFOS blood test. We have a link in this story on AtlantaNewsFirst.com. You can purchase it yourself. There are other companies uh, that are just starting to offer this um, at a little lower cost, but you can do it yourself. Unfortunately, it's a little cost prohibitive for most people. And talking about solutions, what should I do if I pay for this test? You know, if I had been drinking this water for 20 years, which was sort of the baseline for you putting this group together, if I've been drinking this water from this source for 20 years, you know, before they fixed it, and I go and pay the $400 for the PFOS test, and it says that it's elevated, that it's above the national median, what should I do? What can I do to, is it surveillance? Is it more cancer screening? What is it? It's a little bit of everything that you just mentioned. So there are clinical recommendations from uh, an, an entity that produced last year a very comprehensive report involving 90 different scientists and advocates that said, here are the things that you need to do. We've also included this in the story on our website that says, if your elevated levels are, are, are this number or this number, here's exactly the type of screening that you need to be doing. And then you take that information and you bring it to your primary care physician and saying, hey, the issue is, is that most doctors don't know what to do with this information. The Georgia Department of Health told me that they have not given any clinical recommendations to primary care physicians in the state of Georgia because they're simply recommendations that the CDC has not enacted themselves. I went back to the state again and I said, okay, the CDC may not have recommendations, but this organization, National Academy of Sciences and Medicine, they have recommendations. Why aren't you at least providing this information to Georgia doctors? And they said, we're not cl clinicians. That's not our role. Mm. So it's, 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 very, it's very difficult, unfortunately, that even if you get this information, there are these recommendations that you can follow yourself. But as you know, everyone has different health issues themselves. And so you, you really need to try to find a doctor or 
educate your own doctor so that way that you are doing the proper screenings and they're looking for the right things that may be associated with PFAS exposure. That's such an important point because some people have cancer history in their family and this may be the thing that puts it over the edge if they have a high level. Um, was there anything in the story that you found surprising that you didn't expect or did it follow your expectations? I, I think the, the I don't know if I um, expected it or not expected it, but it, it, it sort of it brought home the point of the exposure of of residents to their drinking water a number of years ago. And that's uh, one of the participants. Her name is Callie Swafford. For almost a decade, she's been drinking, uh, using drinking water from a natural spring outside the city. And her PFAS levels were not just the lowest of all the 11 participants we tested, but I'm talking about significantly lower, like almost almost didn't even have any readings. It still had uh, PFAS readings, but significantly lower. And I asked the scientists, like, what do you take from this? This is someone who's been drinking a spring water for almost a decade with the lowest. And they said that's that's probably indicative to the exposure from the drinking water. And this person doing the right thing on uh, for them shows that the majority of the people in this area likely have some sort of exposure specifically from when they were drinking this water a number of years ago. And the last thing I want to address is what the state is or isn't doing. And let's first start with what you just said, which is that, you know, we have one person, this, by your own admission, this was a small sample. Uh, is it statistically significant? You know, that's, that's for statisticians to look at, but here's a sort of you know, sample that we generated, and it turns out in, from in terms of the people actually doing the testing, they didn't know that she had gotten her water from uh, a spring outside the city, but she turns out to have the the lowest numbers. So it really comes down to there needs to be a broader surveillance and study is the suggestion. And the state kind of gave you um, and, and I you can't say this, but I can as as a viewer, uh, because I wasn't a participant in putting the story together as a viewer. What I saw is the state wants it both ways. The state doesn't want to do the testing. And at the same time, they say they can't opine on your findings because it would be irresponsible because they didn't conduct the testing. Well, aren't they saying they should be conducting the testing without saying they should be conducting the testing? That's a fascinating interpretation of their response. I, I hear you and I understand. You're such a good journalist. You that. won't opine. I love <laughs> it. But I, I, I will say that they believe that people or the entity that should be conducting this exposure study is a university. Um, I don't know whether that's going to happen. Emory University professor that took the time to travel to Rome to talk to the participants, she told me that there might be a possibility of finding the funding on her end, on, universe, on that university's end that might be able to do. I don't want to overstate that. Um, but that is a conversation that I've had with the university. Um, and I, I, I agree with you. I think the, the interpretation of uh, the Georgia Department of Health in saying, hey, we recognize that this is an area with exposure, but we don't have any say in whether an exposure study should happen. I, I don't know where, what residents should take from that other than the premier agency involving Georgia's health is saying, we don't plan to do any testing, even though we know there is exposure or, hey, we don't plan to ask anyone to do an exposure study. I, I think um, that's a level of frustration from the participants that you heard from is it seems like no agency, no entity 
is planning to take this seriously. And I think that's ultimately why we wanted to do the story to show that, yes, there is exposure. No one else decided to do it. So we did. Andy Parati, uh, I know I keep saying this. Uh, you're such an extraordinary investigative reporter, but also you're at the top of your game. You are cranking out story after story. Uh, so impressive, uh, the level of work that you're doing, and you just won't quit. And I know you're not going to quit on this story either. Uh, so thanks for joining us today for Behind the Investigation. I'm Chief Investigator Brendan Keefe.